0: Our scripture today is from 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 9 to 12. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, Have you ever known a person who's stabilized your life in very difficult times? Some people will say, uh, some people who grew up in troubled homes, in challenging environments, um, in in environments or in homes or in communities where they often felt as a child, they felt unsafe. Um, They felt as though the world around them was unpredictable. Um, if And if some of you uh, remember a childhood like that, if you were fortunate enough, uh, there was someone in your life who stabilized your world. There was someone in your life, maybe it was a relative or a neighbor. Maybe it was a, a, a family, another family. You know, maybe it was a, a friend's family or, or a friend's parents. Uh, maybe it was a teacher or a coach. But someone in your life or some family in your life... Uh, stabilize they brought you comfort they brought you a sense of meaning and a sense of hope that you wouldn't otherwise have had now if you follow what i'm saying if you can picture what I, if you understand what i'm talking about you actually have a picture of what god's purposes are for the church christian christian life is not just about you and jesus The Christian life is about the people of Jesus, the community of Jesus Christ, walking together with one another, being a light in a dark world. The community of Christians, the community of Christ, the church, is a peculiar people with a peculiar purpose by God's design to bring light into a dark world. The church is a light to the darkness the church is also a light in the darkness and the church is a light for the darkness now i've used three different prepositions there and i hope throughout the morning that it'll be more clear to you why i'm doing that okay but the church by god's design is a light to the darkness it is a light in the darkness and the church is a light for the darkness now, the church is a light to the darkness in the sense that it is our calling by God to be a light to the darkness. Peter says in, t- in today's passage that Christ's community is a peculiar bunch. He says in verse nine, but you now, if you go to the passage before we looked at it last week, Peter was saying that, that there are people in the world who look at Christ and, and they reject him. Jesus is this this foundation stone of God's spiritual house. And and some people, instead of looking to Jesus as their foundation, they trip over Jesus. Uh, They stumble over him. They can't digest his truth. Now, Peter is saying in verse 9, but you, speaking again to Christians in the first century, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people For his own possession. The old King James puts it this way. A peculiar people. Now this all in verse 9 is Old Testament language. This is classic Old Testament language. In Exodus chapter 19. Just before the Israelites are about to receive the Ten Commandments. God says to them. You are my treasured possession. Among all peoples. God said to the Israelites, you're a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. The prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 43, uh, God is speaking through Isaiah saying that Israel was a people that he formed for himself, that they would declare his praises. So Peter now regards the church composed of both Jews and Gentiles following Christ, that the church Is now the people of God. God's new people. But moving beyond the indicative. Of the church's status. Remember a couple of weeks ago. We talked about how Peter says. You have the indicative. Which is who you are. Who God has made you. And the truth about who you are. Motivates the imperative of your living. The truth about your identity. Motivates your actions in life. The indicative always motivates the imperative. And you see that right here. The indicative is you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people for God's own possession. But Peter moves now into the imperative. He says you're for God's own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you see that the church's chosen status Is for a purpose beyond itself. The Christian is chosen by God. For a purpose beyond herself. Beyond his own benefit. The chosen status. Is to be a light to the world. The chosen status. Is for the church to be a safe outpost. In a perilous country. A stabilizing presence. In a dark world. In a hard life. You see other travelers on the journey are beginning to see that they too are exiles and God's spirit is drawing them to the light. And they see the light when the church is reflecting the truth and the heart of Jesus Christ. God calls us into the light because through us, he plans to draw others in from the darkness and now you can see why God is building a spiritual house. This goes back to earlier in, second, in First Peter chapter two. You can see now why God is building a spiritual house with every Christian as a living stone, built upon the foundation of Jesus as the precious cornerstone, the foundation stone. The reason God is building us up brick by brick, into a spiritual house. Is because God is making a safe haven. God is making a home for the displaced peoples of the world, for those who are orphans, for those who are aliens, for those who are lost in darkness, for those who are marginalized. marginalized God wants to adopt them and bring them into the house. That's the purpose of God's spiritual house, because God is in the adoption business. And the adoption papers are the gospel. The reality, the news that, that through the blood of Jesus Christ and his resurrection, God saves sinners. God takes people who were once not his people and makes them his people. God takes people who don't deserve mercy and he gives them mercy. And he makes them who were once aliens and orphans. He makes them sons and daughters. He makes them his heirs. Those are the adoption papers and God is bringing people in and that's what the church is for. And that's what Peter says in verse 10. You used to not be a people, and now you are a people. You never had God's mercy, and now you have God's mercy. This may be a newsflash to some of you, but we're actually a Presbyterian church. Now, the word Presbyterian is not in our name, but we are actually a Presbyterian church. And, And what Presbyterians have always liked to say is that the church's power, the church's authority on earth is ministerial and declarative. The power of the church on the earth is of a ministerial and declarative nature. And here's what this means. It means that the church does not have the authority to compel people and coerce people to do what's right. Like the civil government has. The church doesn't have any authority like that. The authority that Jesus gives his church is ministerial and declarative. Which means the church has authority to serve the world. That's why Peter calls the church a kingdom of priests, because priests intercede for other people. So the church has ministerial authority, meaning the church is here to serve the world, and the church has declarative authority, meaning the church is here to announce, to proclaim, to broadcast what is true the gospel itself. That God is making displaced orphans who are alone in the darkness sons and daughters. Within his house. And by the words of a Christian. By his work. By her attitude. And her lifestyle. By how we live. And how we suffer. And how we succeed. And how we die. Christians declare. That they are. Refreshingly peculiar. That they are in a good sense. In the best sense. A people of light. A people that others are attracted to. So the Christian community is called to the darkness. That's the first thing we need to understand. We're not only called to the darkness, however, we're called in the darkness. Here's the difference. It's the difference between our calling as Christian and our mission. We are called to the darkness to be lights in the darkness. Because you are light, you must now bring the light. Christians are not short-term missionaries. Christians are not people that go somewhere for one week or two weeks and say something nice and then leave and never come back. I'm not saying short-term missions projects are bad. But you cannot see your, if you're following Jesus, you can't see your life as a short-term missionary to one person or one family or, or one business. Or one group of people. You, you go in for a little while. You say something nice. You do something nice. You leave and they never see you again. That's not how we are to interact with the darkness. We are to remain in the darkness. In the light within the darkness. For people who are walking around in darkness. We are called to stay. Called to stay in the darkness. Now think of a campfire. If you're out in the wilderness... And you're wandering around. A campfire is a source of light and warmth. And so people, are, are, people in distress would be drawn to a campfire, wouldn't they? It would be a beacon of light and hope and warmth. Okay? And the, we should see the church that way. But we shouldn't see the church only that way. Now let's go back to Taylor's illustration of a flashlight earlier. We should not only see ourselves as a campfire, but we should see ourselves as flashlights. Because God calls us to penetrate the darkness. Because people are not always going to be drawn to the church. You know that's true. That's happening less and less. You have to go to them. Like a flashlight does. You have to extend out. So that the light penetrates into what is dark. So the campfire concept is people are drawn in. And that was the Old Testament concept. Israel was to be a light for the nations to come to. But in the New Testament, you see a reversal. You see, Jesus and the apostles say, emanate out into the world so that the light can permeate the darkness. And so we have to see the church in both lights. We are called to the darkness to remain there as lights and minister in the darkness. And here's the proof of, here's the proof of it. This is the proof of that mindset. Peter goes on to say in verse 12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles. Honorable. Now, another way of saying this is engage in beautiful living in the midst of the darkness. Engage in beautiful lifestyles among people who do not follow Jesus, among people who do not yet believe. Carol Ruvolo wrote a great little book on First and 2 Peter. And she says there, That Christians' distinctive perspective doesn't lead them to withdraw from the world. Rather, it spurs them to active engagement. Although Christians are children of God whose true home is in heaven, they live in this world as their father's ambassadors. I just played music for a funeral, uh, a memorial service at our old church uh, for a friend who died from our old church a couple of weeks ago. And uh, her name was Catherine and, and her younger brother, Matthew uh, stood up to speak during the memorial, ser- the memorial service. And Matthew said to the crowd that had gathered for his sister's funeral, he said, many years ago when I was a young man, I promised myself I would never enter the doors of a church again. I would never go back to the church I would never participate in Christianity again. And he didn't say why he, he was disenfranchised or burned or turned off early on in life. But after he, what he said was that after decades of unbelief, he became a Christian. And he said the reason was that he would talk to his sister every day, every week. She had a debilitating illness Um, from which she suffered, and that after many years, it would actually take her life. Um, But they were close. And he, he said what happened was, as he watched his sister suffer in faith, it led him to Jesus. What he discovered after many years of relating to his sister while his sister was suffering, he basically said everything that she was saying about God, and everything that she was saying about her faith, he finally realized was true. Is because of how she lived in faith while she suffered. Jerem Bars was, um, a prof- is a professor and an apologist. And he wrote a great book. I recommend it. It's called The Heart of Evangelism. Uh, our, our launch team over a year ago looked at it together. And what he said in there is God desires that I live in a way that will make the gospel attractive to all around me. The attitudes of unbelievers toward God are changed by genuine righteousness in the lives of believers. And, and Jerem Barrs offers in his book a very simple code for evangelistic living for a Christian. You want to live a beautiful life, a life of light that will attract others to the light of God who come into contact with you? He says four simple things. He says, first, you've got to be praying. You've got to be praying and praying and praying for the people in your life that God will do for them and do in them what you cannot do. And then he says, in addition to praying, you have to live a faithful life in the workplace. As a Christian, where you work, you have to remain faithful in how you work in how you conduct yourself and how you speak in your reputation Amongst the people you work with. So prayer. And then he says faithfulness in the workplace. And then he says sacrificial love. As Christians love one another. Sacrificially. With servants hearts. The world will notice something remarkably different. So pray. Live faithfully in your workplace. Love one another as brothers and sisters. Sacrificially. And then he says. Open your home. He says, practice hospitality. He says, interact with, relate with, share your life with people who would otherwise have no business being around you and talking to you. Don't just love your friends and the people who are nice to you, but open your life to people that you normally wouldn't talk to, people you normally wouldn't associate with. So prayer, faithfulness in the workplace, sacrificially loving one another, and open homes, open lives. He says, that's how you lead a life of light that other people are drawn to. Now, notice Peter says that a Christian's good conduct doesn't necessarily prevent criticism from unbelieving people in the world. Look at verse 12. Again, keep your conduct among the Gentiles. Gentiles <sighs> I can't speak today. Let me try that again. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers. Not if, when they speak against you as evildoers. You know, your peculiar ways, no matter how good they are and honorable they are, they will seem wrong to certain people. They will seem backwards and narrow-minded. They will, they will rub people the wrong way. They will go against the grain of society. Honorable living for Christ is like swimming upstream in a strong current against the ways of the world around you. Your peculiar ways as children of light will to some people seem as though they are evil ways. As though you are evil people. As though what you believe is right is actually wrong. You will as a Christian endure unjust slander in this world. You will receive biased opinions. About your character and your beliefs and your words and your actions. You will be the victim of false perceptions. But Jerem Bar says we must make sure that none of that is deserved. It's one thing if people treat you poorly because you're a jerk. And don't don't blame that on Jesus. If you're being a jerk, just stop being a jerk. But Jerem Barr says, let's make sure that the slandering and the bias and the false perceptions, the persecution, people ostracizing you, or ignoring you or passing you over for a promotion or inviting somebody else to the party and not you. Let's make sure that it's not deserved. And this is critical for Americans living in a culture where what we're seeing take place is a culture war. Whether it's political or social uh, on many different levels. We're in an America that's going through a pivotal a period in world history. Where we're, we're seeing a cultural war unfold before us. So on social media, okay, on Facebook, on the internet, at family dinners when you're with your relatives during the holiday, in the classroom when you're hearing different views being expressed, in, in, in social settings, act honorably. Do not respond in kind. Peter is saying, "If they're going to mistreat you and say nasty things about you and treat you unfairly. Peter saying, live honorable lives. Don't respond in kind. The apostle Paul says in Romans 12, don't respond to evil with more evil, but overcome that evil with good. And the result is that some people will come into the light as a result of your honorable behavior. Not everybody, but some people will be drawn to your light. Peter goes on to say in verse 12, keep your conduct honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. When the Lord Jesus returns to judge humanity, some of the people who are ridiculing you now may actually come to faith in him. Because of your good deeds, despite their poor opinion of you. Like Matthew and his sister Catherine. Peter is a good disciple of Jesus because he's basically repeating what Jesus had said to him once. Peter's expanding it far beyond what Jesus said. But Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. Now at that time, Jesus was speaking only to Jews. But now Peter's speaking to Jews and primarily Gentiles in the church. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill can't be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. So Christians are called to the darkness as a light in the darkness. But the darkness still threatens to snuff you out. Doesn't it? The darkness, the ways of the people walking in darkness still threaten to swallow you up. And so Peter offers a warning in verse 11. I'm going to go back to verse 11 now. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. See how he's always bringing us back to our identity. Don't forget, you don't own this place. I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain. He's preaching abstinence. To abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. We talked about James chapter 4 last week. Where James says these, these passions... Not good passions, bad passions. The old ways of the old you. James said those passions battle against you and cause conflict within the church. What Peter is saying here is that those old ways, those passions, not only cause division within the church, but they cause disdain outside of the church. As we go back to our old ways, the world sees it and develops a distaste us a distaste for Jesus because they see us going back to our old ways now let me ask you a question we don't have a lot of time so I just I'm just asking for short answers today I usually let people go on and make speeches but uh short answers today what do you think like what are some examples of these passions of the flesh that Peter is saying you need to abstain from them if you if you're going to if you're going to live beautiful lives that people are attracted to, you got to stay away from these old ways. What do you think are some of the passions of the flesh? What comes to mind? Greed, Greed. okay? No one likes a greedy person. Yeah. Professional success. Is professional success bad? No, not necessarily. But but you're you're saying it's like, it's like an old passion, okay. And I can relate to that. Yeah, the temptation to be successful uh, in your profession uh, can become overwhelming. Good. What else? Any other ideas? The passions of the flesh. What are they? Gluttony. Gluttony. Yeah. What else? Lust. Pride, sloth, not the animal. What else? Come on, you know of a couple. Coveting, coveting, selfishness. Come on, gossip. Gossip. Now it's getting good. See, I know you weren't born yesterday. (laughs) What else? Come on, you guys are... It, but did you say anger and bitterness? No more? Okay, fair enough. That's good. That's good. Okay. Thank you. The passions of the flesh. When we think of the passions of the flesh, we often go right to what some people like to call licentious sin the idea of of having license in your life thinking that you can get away with whatever living rec- recklessly from god's perspective living like the prodigal son you know lust and gluttony and greed and you know you know sex and drugs and all that stuff you know just live like a rebel live with abandon and that's true though you know Licentious living, that does reflect, that is what the passions of the flesh are, but that's not all they are. The Apostle Paul often talked about religious sins. The Apostle Paul, read his letters, because he talked a lot about the passions of the flesh that look religious, that look well behaved and well kempt and righteous and holy. And these are things like legalism, thinking that we are better, thinking that you're smarter, that you're 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 more well behaved. You know how to you know how to keep in control of your anger and your desires. You know you're uh, you're a, you're a very you're very good at self control. You don't lose your temper and and you don't become reckless and unwise and wasteful like other people. And in the Christian community, this is as lethal as the licentious, reckless sins. Because this type of sin, this type of sin uh, makes us believe in a false sense that that we're okay. That that we're fine in the light and we don't need to go into the darkness. And so we're afraid of the darkness and we're afraid of the people who walk around in the darkness. And we're better than them. We're better than them. They have to come into the darkness if we're going to love them. And if we're going to, this, we're going to serve them. We're not, going to go to, we're not going to go to where they are. They have to come to us. So I would tell you that the, pa- the passions of the flesh are not just reckless living. They are legalistic, prideful, fearful living of those who are still in darkness. And so when you bring this together, this, this licentious living and this legalistic living in the church. You have Christians who become too much like the world on the one hand and Christians who are running in retreat from the world on the other hand. But either way, we tarnish the family name. Either way, we tarnish our father's name. And as Taylor said to the kids, our light begins to dim. So that the world can't see it as much anymore. In the warning here, is that the light would not go out completely. So that your life as a Christian. Whether you're living recklessly. Taking advantage of God's grace. Or whether you're living legalistically. In fear and pride. Thinking that you deserve God's grace. Either way. People walking around in darkness. Can't see the light. Because it's, it's, it's dimming upon you. As you and I live in sin. And so people who are out in the darkness. There's no light to draw them in. And we're called hypocrites. And. um, That's when it's deserved. That's when the slander. And the names. And the prejudices. Are deserved. In a dark world. Others can't see the way to salvation. But. The church can be a light to the darkness and in the darkness. And the church can be a light for the darkness if we embrace God's perspective. If we embrace the heart of God, we as a community of faith can be a light for the darkness. And here's why I'm using the word for. Because God, if you're a Christian, God is for you. Jesus is for you. That's why he went to the cross. God has an emanating missionary's heart for people who are walking around in darkness. That's the story of the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 42, this is, this is what God says. God is talking about his amazing servant that would one day come as a priest to rescue humanity. I will get. He's talk, it sounds like he's talking to Israel, and he is, but he's really talking to that servant. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. And then Jesus of Nazareth came along and he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so we see that the light is Jesus, that the light has always been Jesus. And the only light that you have is no light of your own, but it is a light of Jesus emanating out from you or reflecting off of you to other people. And as you begin to look at Jesus and what he did for you on the cross and the power and truth of his resurrection, you begin to believe and understand that God is really for you. That he really loves you. That he will not give up on you. And as you begin to embrace the fact that God is for you. That although you were not a people. You have become a people. That although you did not deserve his mercy. You have now been given his mercy. When you begin to see that. And when you begin to realize that God is always completely for you. Now you can be for those who are still walking around in darkness. God brought you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You embrace that. Now you can go out. You can go out and be for people who are walking in darkness because your Lord Jesus is for you. And that's what you need. He's what you need to go out into the darkness. And he's what they need as they are drawn in. Because of your honorable living for Christ in his strength. Because he's the light. You're not the light. He's the light. So we're a peculiar bunch. The church is a peculiar bunch of people. And I don't just mean deep run church. I mean the global church. But you're the expression of it right here in this room, in this place. The church is a peculiar people with a peculiar purpose to be light in the darkness. I believe God is preparing our church to be a light in Westminster. Not just a campfire light that other people are going to happen to find because they google churches on the internet. They're finding us that by that way, that way, which is a good thing. We want the campfire burning. But there are people who will never approach that campfire. There are people who are not looking online for a church. We got to find them. God has called us to them. We have to emanate out. And seek them. And I believe God is preparing us as a church to do that. But we've got to understand this. That he's called us to the darkness. To remain in the darkness as lights there. And that's only going to work. We're only effective for Jesus as lights in the darkness. Is if we adopt his heart. For people walking in darkness. And the only way to adopt his heart is to realize you were once in the darkness. And Jesus rescued you. Jesus is for you and in his strength and with his love and in his light. You can now be for people who are walking around in darkness. You work with them every day. Some of them work for you. You see them every day. They're in your classrooms with you. Maybe they're in your own home. Or living in the house or the apartment next to yours. Maybe you only see them on Facebook. You've got to be for them just as much as Jesus is for you. Let's keep our lamps burning. So that our peculiarly good conduct. Will be a light to those who are in darkness. Allowing Christ to shine through us. Let's pray. Father we confess to you that. We were those people walking around without hope in the world, without light. And it seemed fine to us because I guess our eyes were adjusted to the darkness and uh, we were able to hide in the darkness and see what we wanted to see and avoid what we wanted to avoid. But we thank you that through Jesus Christ, your light has reached us. We were exposed. We were exposed for who we truly are, people without you and without mercy. But thank you for your grace because your light becomes bearable in your grace. Because we we, we came to know your mercy, your forgiveness, your adoptive love. And may we rest in that and be for our community and for our world just as much as you are for us. In your name, amen.